There's got to be an explanation to all these UFO sightings, right? Hey, it's Stephen Diener, host of the Unidentified Alien Podcast. And whether you're new to the conversation or have been looking into it for years, you need to check out the fastest growing alien show out there, the Unidentified Alien Podcast, or UAP for short. There's a crazy amount of alien encounter stories out there from all over the world. And the beauty of it is that I bring them all to you and let you decide what you believe. Download and subscribe to UAP on any of the major podcasting platforms. And you can also find it on UAPpodcast.com. Yes, yes. Welcome into the Tim McKernan Show on the Inside STL Podcast Network. I am your host, Timothy Michael McKernan from the HomeLoanExpert.com studios in my basement. And I am joined, ladies and gentlemen, he did not go. He left TMA, but he did not leave the podcast. Gangster Pete is back. What's the word, Gangster Pete? You can't get rid of me that quick, bitches. <laughs> <laughs> and, and that and that boyish laugh you hear is uh, Action Jackson. Uh, Pete, his nickname at this point, I don't know if it'll be Action Jackson. Pringle from the single like a Pringle seems like it's it's sticking with some of the textures. Uh, Twink boy, I've seen a lot of that. I don't know. I don't know. Where, I don't know what's going to wind up uh, sticking, Jackson. You won't really necessarily have a choice on that. No, I'm just going to keep my mouth shut and let what happens happens because, like Pete said, if I say I like a nickname, that will not be my nickname. <laughs> That's a good yeah. point. Gangster Pete, you, school, you schooled them well. Yeah, don't show your cards, Jackson. Yeah, and Thanks, don't, buddy. Don't, don't do it. get in your kitchen. Uh, we welcome uh, anybody, anytime, to send in questions slash opinions slash erotic stories. And I am thrilled to say we have two erotic stories for this edition of questions slash opinions uh, from the audience, in addition to a bunch of questions and or opinions. So I'll be going through them. Uh, we are recording this at night via Zoom, which is different than the studios. Uh, Peter, are you going into an office? Yeah. yeah. You I'm are? Going down, going down to Market Street every day. So how, so what is that like when you go into, uh, like, you they get your temperature, you masked up? What's the deal? Yeah, you're masked up. They take your temperature. And then uh, most of the people are working remotely right now. They just got yeah. the people kind of onboarding me there right now so two days in how are things going uh so far so good i mean yeah. typical typical first day stuff syllabus day huh syllabus day yeah syllabus day so jackson so far, you ready to quit yet no sir <laughs> he's answering like a pledge <laughs> like day two of getting his balls hazed off by the audience yeah. Uh, well, uh, we are uh, thrilled, Gangster Pete, that you're going to stick around. Plus, of course, pick six. And before I get into the questions, and I know producer Joe is very anxious to talk about the Jets Raiders debacle, <laughs> blew up my. I don't know how many game. I don't know how many bets I lost with that one play. I think it was. I think it was five of the six. One wasn't going to cover anyway, but I think five of the six. And so I I went zero and six, right? I don't, I don't know. I haven't looked at it, but I know that, that, that Raiders Jets. And so for people not familiar with this, I, I put the Raiders and Jets teaser at 59 in every one of the bets, except I think I paired it with another one that it was just a two gamer, but it would have still covered before that Hail Mary touchdown that got Greg Williams fired. I was watching Red Zone and they showed that play and I, I wasn't even thinking about your bets. I was just like, Oh my God, the Jets. How do they always do that? It's and then, like, two seconds later, producer Joe started blowing up my phone. Of course. He doesn't fucking text me, but he'll text <laughs> you. God, and I knew it. And I'm telling you, I'm dead serious, Pete. I know I texted you this. I knew it would either be Joe or G-Unit. It's not in your DNA. To yeah, be I mean, I watched it happen. Didn't even know. Guy. I. But the thing is, I had some rugs and some car and uh, Mims. I didn't have any Crowder. He was the big score for the uh, – for the Jets, and the guy that won the million on Sunday at DraftKings had a lot of uh, car. You just got to play your quarterbacks and receivers against the Jets in DraftKings. <laughs> but anyway, I did have a $100 bet on that, and it was like teased. I took Missouri plus uh, whatever the hell against Arkansas, which actually looked like it wasn't going to cover for a time because with the well, team, yeah. it was nine and a half. Yeah, they're down 14 late, and it wasn't looking good. How fired up are you about the Fighting Tigers? Oh, man, that was so fun. Like, Were you just, at it? No, no, I was actually watching on YouTube TV on the course at Gateway. So, like, we were, like, hit a shot and everybody gathered around my phone. It was one so, of the funnest uh, games I can recall watching for Missouri football. And I, 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 think, I think Gabe said it right since Arkansas in 2014 with the SEC East on the line, you yeah. know? Because otherwise, I mean, there have been some good games, but that one was exciting and it felt like it kept the momentum going. And, and it was totally a game that they on, on Friday night, that's huge. Yeah. 
Basketball yeah. team looks good. I heard there's another guy committed to a big school that's wavering now, too. So that's really? my first they're telling me. Oh, it would be a I huge gift. Um, so we always welcome people to email in questions, comments, opinions, erotic stories, Tim McKernan at InsideSTL.com. Maybe someday we'll just have a, a database where people don't feel like they're giving themselves away to my email address, which I think precludes some of this stuff. Uh, and I got so many, I haven't even moved them to the questions from uh, the audience uh, file. And so Gangster Pete and uh, Action Jackson will be with me on these via Zoom because I'm not doing the radio show from the station. And Gangster Pete doesn't work at the station anymore. Jackson is uh the new gangster Pete and uh and he will be joining us on all of these plus the Pick Six podcast. Uh so email in T McKernan at insidestl.com or in the homeloanexpert.com studios. Ryan Kelly, the studio sponsor. I have done business with Ryan. I've done business with him once in refinancing uh in April and uh, about a month ago, month and a half ago getting pre-approved with him. And both processes couldn't have been any easier. And right now with uh, people selling homes and the homes going off the market in a matter of moments, it is incredibly important to be pre-approved. So make sure you go to thehomeloanexpert.com. And if you haven't refinanced, man, you are leaving money on the table. Ryan Kelly, the Home Loan Expert, the studio sponsor here of the Tim McKernan Show, also a great sponsor of this program, is Mark Hanna of Evergreen Wealth Strategies. When producer Joe joins us by phone for Pick 6, Mark Hanna is the sponsor of the phone lines. He's online at evergreenstl.com. It's never been more important to have a financial advisor, in particular in 2020 with it being a crazy year, um, and then even more so at the end of the year when you want to make sure everything is organized so when April rolls around, you're not freaking out. You want to have a plan for the next year. Mark Hanna is that person. He is online at evergreenstl.com. That's evergreenstl.com. Mark Hanna with Evergreen Wealth Strategy. Really good guy. Helps everyday people every day. Uh, and his phone number is 314-889-0503. That's 314-889-0503. Mark Hanna with Evergreen Wealth Strategies. All right. The first one that we lead off with, this just came in too. Um, God, like, let's see, like about a half hour ago, uh, I posted on the fan page that we were going to be recording this and, uh, and one came in and, uh, I've got much email since, uh, Tim. A little background on myself. I am a single dad in my early 40s. I've been divorced for about 10 years now. Dating slash sex over these last 10 years have been interesting. Here is one of my stories. Now, honestly, I have not read this yet. I just saw it come in. It was titled Erotic Story in Question. So <laughs> it's you are hearing it for the first time. Yeah, I know. I'm a big, that's how you got to be the leadoff hitter here today uh, from the Huntley Hamburglar who sent this in. A few months ago, I ran into a girl I, I had went on a few dates with a while back. We talked for a bit and ended up heading back to her apartment to have a few drinks. After boozing a while, we headed to the bedroom. We start doing our thing, basic normal shit to start. When she climbed on top, however, she reached down and grabbed my throat while at the same time asking me to choke her. Now, I know I am not the most sexually adventurous guy out there, but this does not do it for me. I quickly shut this down, powered through to finish my portion of the transaction, cleaned myself up, and got the hell out of there. I was not going to spend the night with someone that just a few minutes earlier wanted to choke me. Here's my question. (laughs) I love this shit. Here's my question. What are some of the kinks slash fetishes slash et cetera uh, you and Pete have either performed or had to shut down, i.e. Rocchio's pegging sitch. Did they discuss these before trying them out? Not kink shaming here. It's a sex positive podcast. It is indeed. No government names, please. That comes from the Huntley Hamburglar. So, um, Jackson, with you now involved, we kind of add a demographic here. You know, that we've yeah. got, we've got the single 22 year old. I mean, the difference between, see, I look at you as a peer, but I'm sure you look at me as an old man. You know, I mean, if I were 22 and, I, and a 44 year old were talking to me, I'd be like, oh, this old motherfucker, you know? <laughs> yeah. So as a 22 year old, you now I know that things are shut down this year, but you know, what I would perhaps find to be unique, you're, be, you might be like, yeah, that stuff's going on and we don't even think anything of it. Like, like, the MFF, the mm-hmm. less popular threesome. 
Is that, is that commonplace? Like, has that been commonplace in your experience? In my experiences, not as much as one would think. I mean, I lived in a fraternity house for two years. So like, I'm, that's like the epicenter of, of, of sexual exploration. And I didn't notice a lot of it. It definitely wasn't happening to me personally. Um, Perfect. For better or for worse. But uh, would say for there worse. was, there was definitely, <laughs> yeah, I, mean, that's, I, don't, I don't even know if we need to debate it. Uh, yeah, but again, this is a sex positive podcast. And if your no king, king is not having threesomes, then I have to celebrate that. Well, I'm not positive I can satisfy one woman, let alone two. But <laughs> you. uh, You're in the right podcast. <laughs> but uh, there's definitely... I've heard some some stories where like things get involved that shouldn't be and it's it's hard to explain but women are definitely more open and like willing to share what they want in the moment more so like sheepishly like if I had some crazy thing which I don't but if I did it would like take the like I would need the most certain level of trust to be able to share that. Whereas I feel like now women are much more open about sharing what they want exactly when they want it. And I, you know, I can't, I have no reference point for either of you two, but uh, I definitely noticed that now where if it's like they want something, they're going to tell you it's not, they're not going to be sheepish about it. Yeah. I've just, I've, I've just, do you think, do you think the call her daddy podcast has contributed yes. to this? You do. Wow. You instantaneously. <laughs> Ship that. Big time. I mean, I've listened to that. Like, I listened to five minutes. I thought my brain was gonna melt. It's brutal. That show. It's like it. Not only is it like the the content is bad, but like the way they edit it, it's like you know, it makes your eyes hurt and ears hurt. But uh, that definitely is a part of it. And I just think more sexual openness. I think with younger people, which I think is a good thing. You know, like, I do too. I don't I really think do. that you should be like you know, sex shouldn't be like a a taboo topic like you should be able to talk about that openly with either your sexual partner or your friends but yeah call her daddy is a definite big part of the reason why God, I think how about that? i was sexually. wondering if that's the case uh gangster pete uh what do you have we know deeb certainly would share his but they usually just involve him <laughs> yeah i mean uh i'm open to just about anything there's a few like nothing that there's a few no-goes on my list like pegging perhaps but uh you included a perhaps on the back end. No <laughs> Pegging definitely is a no go. But uh I don't know, I've always been kinda into uh if there's a chance you can get caught, that's always been kind of exciting. Oh look at you. God bless. Here's yeah. here's what I would say, and this is this this goes back because honestly as I'm reading that this, I'm kinda like, eh, that's not that I really thought it was gonna go into like a I thought it might go pegging actually, and I was <laughs> you know, I was going to maybe open up the parachute on it, but, uh, I have, I have been down the road that he is, that he experienced. Um, I don't, rec- I don't, I, I guess, ch- I guess choking, but it wasn't like a, a full fledged choke. It was just like, yeah, I think it, I, I mean, I think we'd, we'd have to get a, uh, maybe we need to get, uh, Brian Henshin on since he's a, a sexologist. <laughs> and play. And play. <laughs> but I believe there's something, I mean, didn't, isn't this the way that, and I, I wonder if you even know who this person is, Jackson. Do you know who Michael Hutchins is? No, I do not know who he is. Yeah. Okay. And the way he died, if I'm not mistaken, was from asphyxiation, right? Uh, that was with like the belt. Yeah. Yeah. Which is a way to like, you know, during sex, you know, experience a more intense orgasm. And yeah, so that's I believe be- that's the more extreme route. <laughs> yes, like it, it's 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 a form of submission. So or a form of dominance, depending on what your your kink is. And I can't there's a term for uh being into both, and I can't recall what it is off the top of my head. But the choking thing, and here's another thing that I was flat out um, asked to do. And I didn't, honestly, and it's been a long time too, man. I mean, we're talking about like early 2000s. Uh, spitting. Now, do you guys think that's weird? <laughs> and if you do, you do. I don't give a shit. I mean, I wasn't the one getting spit on, but I was the one doing <laughs> the spitting. And I'm just like, all right, I mean, if this is your thing, it's your thing. Because to me, it's whatever is going to get you going, then I want to contribute to that because it sure as hell isn't going to be me, you know? So I wouldn't want my thing. wife or girlfriend to be into me spitting on her, but I wouldn't mind if some girl was. <laughs> spitting on some random from Wheelhouse. 
<laughs> yeah, I mean, I've, I've never encountered that. I feel like possibly spitting could lead to possible golden shower if that's kind of yeah, like God, I mean, too. Yeah, it was like, and, and, and I mean, I, I haven't thought about it in so long. I mean, this is kind of like in the fact that I'm doing it on a podcast, but whatever, I don't really care. But I just haven't thought about it because I'm thinking of, as I, as I was reading that, I'm like, yeah, I think that I, I think that was, you know, kind of a, it wasn't like a nightly deal, but it was a fairly regular part of the uh, repertoire. And, and then if I'm not mis- like, like also like kind of shit talking, you know, like, but degrading shit talking, you know, but that was asked for. It wasn't like I'm just popping <laughs> off. I got a bad run here. So let me, let me call again to to each their own, you know, I mean, but yeah, it's interesting that, you know, that that's, I guess in a way I'm not really that alarmed by it. I guess, I guess this is what I would say. So when she climbed on top, she reached down and grabbed my throat while at the same time asking, okay, so that's kind of a little different deal there. I've, I've personally never been choked. And on top of it, if somebody started to do it, without me asking for it, that's a different deal. So I just kind of blew past that probably because I was thinking, oh yeah, I used to be asked to do that. Um, so uh, that's a different, if somebody just all of a sudden in the middle of a session grabs your throat and starts choking you, that would, that would, that would, that would fuck me up. So that's. A Congrats on the sex, buddy. <laughs> yeah. Thank you, Huntley Hamburglar. Wonderful, wonderful uh, erotic story. And I know we have more here and it involves because we actually wound up talking about it on the show, the radio show uh, this morning. It involves uh, an MFF question, and I certainly will get to it. But we got so uh, many. Oh, here's a good one, because um, I'm fresh off of working out. Hey, Tim, uh, for the next go-round, how have you gone about keeping that body tight and rewarding during COVID? I know you used to do some work in the gym and have paid close attention to your diet, but how have you made it work? I've moved from being a runner slash lifter to mostly runner with some isometric exercise at home, but I'm struggling to get the same results. Um, well, this, th- this would be awkward if like somebody on the show right now was morbidly obese because then, you know, I'd have to like dance <laughs> around it. But fortunately, everybody on this show is in, uh, is in, is in good shape. So, um, I, I used to lift and, and then I tore my shoulder labrum and, and I don't know if I'll ever lift again. And if I do, I'll never lift hefty weight, uh, hefty, heavyweights again. I'll just like, I just won't. So I have a bike at home now and that's what I was just doing about an hour ago. And then about a month ago, and I'm curious if you guys have ever done this, uh, somebody was telling me about intermittent fasting and it, I think it's like, it's like a bad messaging. Cause I think it sounds worse than it is. So all I, all it is the way that I handle it, there's different versions of it. I now don't eat until 12 PM and then I don't eat after 8 PM and I still monitor my calories. But you know, if I'm, if I'm taking in however many calories before 12, that, you know, probably around 500 and maybe my daily, daily allowance is about 2000, you know, a quarter of them is gone. It's just kind of thrown away and it doesn't bother me at all. I used to eat Pete. Remember I go get my protein shake at the nine o'clock yep. break every show. Uh, so now um, I wait until 12 and I have like a salad or grilled chicken of some form, mymetabolicmeals.com. It's where I've been eating for now more than 10 years. Um, and then the bike. So, you know, I guess I'll never, you know, get back to like lifting like that, but that's how I do it. And I really do advocate it. I think because if you keep those parameters, really, I think the bigger one is probably the 8 p.m. one. So you're not eating shit like at 10 o'clock when your body doesn't have a chance to really properly digest it and maybe slows down your metabolism. Um, Pete, I'll start with you. What about you on uh, pandemic, you know, cross-country superstar that you were? How are you handling? I've just been running lately, but I'm actually looking for a gym right now. I, uh, I've i done CrossFit. I've done the group workouts. And whenever I'm doing that, I'm always getting the best shape of my life. So, like, right now, I'm kind of soft. I've just been running. So I'm, I'm trying to find a, a good gym where I can get in. I need someone to tell me what to do. Yeah. So like when I'm weightlifting and stuff, I, I just won't do it on my own. So I need someone to tell me what to lift, what kind of exercises to do. And uh, I'm looking to get back into really good shape. That's yeah, a goal. About you. So what you said about intermittent fasting is something I've done for a good amount of time. More really? so, especially. Too? You've been doing this for a long time? Look at you. Yeah, I got a couple of buddies who are like super into workouts and stuff. And they told me about it. And it's like you said, it sounds worse than it is. But like what I do, like especially now that I'm getting up real early, I'll just have like a couple cups of black coffee, which have 
almost no calories in them. Right. And they are a appetite suppressor. So, and it gives you the energy you need. So you don't necessarily need that food. I might have like some fresh fruit, maybe a hundred calorie granola bar, but, right. uh, yeah, same right about noon is when I'll have my lunch and then seven or eight, I'll eat dinner. I won't eat anything afterwards. And, uh, it really helps just kind of, you know, I still have like a 22 year old's metabolism. So like, That's I can a great get away thing, with, sir. I can get away with a lot of shit that I probably couldn't in like five say, or 10 years. Fasting for you kind of defeats the purpose of being 22. <laughs> yeah. No, I, I mean, like, trust me, like on the weekends or if I'm feeling loose, I'll, I'll eat like shit, like no one's business. But, um, for the most part, yeah, it's just in the more, I don't like to eat a lot in the morning either. Cause a, I can't leave the producer's chair very often, almost never to go take a deuce. And, uh, <laughs> you, you do know, it before not, the show. You're going to have to play this for Doug. It's not going to go well for you, Jackson. <laughs> yeah. I'm doing what he wants. I'm not taking shits at the station because <laughs> I, I just legitimately can't. And uh, so I don't like I have maybe a granola bar, or fresh fruit, but I really try to keep, you know, all my meals. If you keep your meals at the same time, it really helps. And then I walk and run. Uh, I have a park right next to my house and I do that or I'll, uh, I do a lot of stretching because I have like bad everything. So if I don't stretch, like I'll feel really sore in the morning. That's a great thing to be doing. That the yeah. stretching is a great thing to be doing. Yeah, the bike thing, I really enjoy it, but it does beat the hell out of you. I mean, it you really does. Peloton, it, bro? Yeah, Peloton. <laughs> I mean, I, I don't even want to say it because it's like associated with like, I don't even, <laughs> I don't even know what it's associated with. That's why I kept calling it a bike until you called me out, but that's fine. Here, since we're on uh, Zoom, you can see it right over my, uh, oh yeah, that's, there it is. That's my, sometimes I'll do it before the show and, and just knock it out. G and his wife made him get a Peloton after I ruined the surprise about his big win at the casino. Oh, is that right? <laughs> yeah. Every, every time he goes by it, he goes, thanks, Pete. <laughs> I legitimately like it, but the bigger thing is this is for real, the intermittent fasting. I, but I know it's it's like bad messaging. It sounds uh, worse than it is. All right. Uh, before I go to another uh, email here, um, I would like to tell our audience about James Carlton of the State Farm uh, insurance agency in Webster Groves, 314-961-4800. That's 314-961-4800. Or go online at carltoninsurance.net. I made the switch to James Carlton, and I'm thrilled that I did. He really, truly is the best. And I've gotten emails from listeners who made the switch. And I'm sure they're kind of like, oh, fine. I want to support the sponsors. It's an insurance agent. How big of a difference can it make? And then they're like, wow, it really is a huge difference. And I'm so happy that I did it. Plus, kind of like what I was saying with Ryan Kelly and how easy it is to make that switch. Um, they do all the paperwork for you. So it's not something you got to dread. And you'll be so happy you did. You have somebody on top of it for you. It's like a safety net. Uh, James Carlton, 314-961-4800. Or go online at carltoninsurance.net. New sponsor here on the program is Munganast, our Automotive dealership for the Tim McKernan show. And they actually have a special going on for our listeners for December. The T, uh, MA special of the month and the Tim McKernan show special of the month. It is a 2020 Acura MDX. Uh, no money down, no money down. And then 349 a month for a 2020 Acura MDX for 36 months. That's plus tax, title, and license. So no money down, $349 a month. Uh, that is at St. Louis Acura at Mason and Manchester, stlouisacura.com. If you're not in the mood to go shopping during this particular time, they'll deliver the car to you, just like they did for me with Munganast Alton Toyota. Uh, same deal they've got going there, just a different kind of car. A new 2021 Tacoma pickup TRD Sport 4x4 for the same. 36 months, $349 per month, zero down. That is a new 2021 Tacoma pickup, TRD Sport, 4x4 for the same deal. 36 months, 349 per month, zero down, plus tax title and license. You don't even have to go in there. You can order it online. They'll deliver it to you. AltonToyota.com, StLouisAcura.com, Munganest, the official dealership of the Tim McKernan Show and of the Ryan Kelly Morning After. Tim, my wife and I are expecting our first child in a few months. We've been receiving an overwhelming amount of unsolicited advice from friends, family, and completely random people around social media. While I understand that their intentions are good, it drives me 
crazy when people bombard you with parental advice. People seem to be overeager to offer tips on infant sleep schedules, what bottles to buy, how to feed, everything. I know you've mentioned receiving this type of parental advice on the show before. My probably naive parental philosophy is this. A lot of stupid people have had kids, so I'll probably be fine. I may be one of those stupid people, but I like to figure some things out on my own. With that being said, I do appreciate advice when asked for it. Uh, this is something that is probably different for every parent, but in your experience, what are some unexpected qualities, both positive and negative, that go along with having your first child? I always hear that it's just an indescribable feeling and that there's nothing better. But what about some of the things that come along with having a kid, such as changes in relationships with your spouse, friends, family, finances, stress, relaxing, etc.? I'm about to go from barely caring for myself to having another person depending on me to stay alive, and that just seems like a complete life changer. Thanks. That comes from no name. So, um, Jackson, I guess I haven't asked you this. I just kind of am operating on the premise that you don't have a child. Uh, you are not a father, correct? Not a father. I have two young nieces, though, four and two years old. So I'm, I obviously same, don't know about parenting. Family. Yeah, I don't know about parenting. <laughs> but I, I am around very young children, uh, my nieces, often. Okay. Uh, I figured that was probably uh, the case. And Gangster Pete, you are not. Uh, a father. That's so, I know. Yeah. So I will, so I'll, so I'll feed, I, I'll feel this. And I don't know. And I, I mean, you guys, you know, the day may come, the day may not come, whatever, uh, you, uh, want and choose to happen. But, uh, it wasn't something I ever thought about until Anna Marie was pregnant. And then right when our son was born. And I don't know why this is. I just know that it happened. And I know I didn't particularly enjoy it. It didn't bother me. It just struck me as odd. Because I would never say it. And I guess so now I'm in an arena where I kind of choose carefully who I let into my little world. And if you are let into my little world, I guess you have a personality trait that is live and let live. And Jackson, if you told me that whatever the fuck you were into, I have no idea. I'd be like, all right, sweet. Jackson's in that. God bless him. I forget about in five minutes. And then you told me that your girlfriend, if you had a girlfriend, was pregnant and then she had the baby, I wouldn't go, oh, and then here's one thing you're going to want to make sure to do. And, oh, they grow up so fast. And these things. Now, I know nobody had malice when they were saying it at all. I think it was, in, it came from a good place. It just, I just remember thinking, I don't want to do that to people. And there was a, a time, Pete, and I don't know what topic it was that I brought up on TMA, something regarding our son. And then I started getting emails about it. And I know, again, people were coming from a good place, but I'm like, oh, I don't want to ever like ask a parenting question again. I just don't want to do it because each child's personality is different. And, and you know, it's, I don't know. I don't know how to describe it. For whatever reason, it is a bit, uh, I guess, a, a sensitive, I know sensitive issue isn't the right word. For whatever reason, it's kind of, I don't know. I'm just, I'm not real cool with it. Um, so, so you ask for it. I, you know, Something that I've said on the podcast that people have enjoyed me saying that I didn't really think was all that cutting edge. I think the first few months are fucking terrible. Um, so I know that's not a good sale point, but you know, you don't have a choice anyway, brother. You got to deal with this. It's coming no, no matter what. Uh, and I just, I mean, it's, there's just nothing doing. Uh, it's, there's, there's really nothing going on. It's a being you have to take care of and you certainly love and you get excited about the smallest things. But, you know, it's a lot of, uh, a lot of downside without much upside. And that's coming from somebody who didn't think and was really told by a doctor that, uh, it was not likely that my wife and I would be able to have children after a few IVF, uh, treatments didn't work and IUI didn't work. And I still say that. So I want to be honest with people. Now, what I will tell you now that he's three years old and really surprisingly hasn't come running down to the basement to start screaming while we're doing this. Um, is it really, it's one of those things. It's an elixir in the sense that um, when I see him, it automatically makes me happy. And if I'm tilting about something, it, it, not, it doesn't eliminate the tilt, but it puts me in a better mindset. And I would say um, it's the first time that you start thinking more big picture about making sure that you do everything to take care of somebody. Um, and, and, you know, maybe I should have been thinking that way a long time ago, but, uh, that's, that's what it is. And I absolutely love it. The, the thing is though, I mean, I'm sitting here and I'm talking about this with two guys who don't have kids. It's one of those things that like, Pete, if, if I were still in the spot I was five years ago 
and you were going on and on about your three-year-old, I'd be like, oh, I'd start like, like looking for models on Instagram while you're talking about it. <laughs> so I haven't forgotten what that was like when people would talk about their kids. And I remember like Facebook had just come out and like all it would be, my feed was just pictures of families. I'd be like, what the fuck, you know? Like who cares, you know? That I remember thinking that. And now I, the only thing I ever post on Facebook is me and my wife and my son. I mean, that's it. Um, and so it just it just changes, but it truly is the best. But it's one of those things I can't even begin to attempt to explain it because there isn't there really isn't a word that would do it justice. And I think it can come off the wrong way. I'll also say this though: at times, I don't think it's the worst, but at times it's it's awful. But um, I, I mean, I wouldn't have it any other way. And from like a life experience standpoint, and I was able to do a lot of, you know, cool shit, I suppose, and some weird shit too, certainly with, you know, some uh, good sexual experiences and hanging out with the people I hung out with and gambling and fucking off and all that stuff. I am so grateful that I've been able to, uh, to have this life experience because it's like now I didn't, you didn't realize that you could have this feeling, you could, but you don't know it until you have it. So um, it's the best. And from that sense, uh, no name, I am happy for you that you will be experiencing it. But the first six months, you know, if, if Anna Marie came down and told me she was pregnant again, I would be thrilled. We would be thrilled, but I'd be like, Oh, the first six months, fuck that, you know, pass on that. Um, all right. Uh, let's see what we got here. This is a good one. I got, I guess I got this one earlier today. Um, and I'm anxious to get your guys perspective on this jokes aside. Uh, well, it says the title of it is QFTA local media is soft and it's an embarrassment, which is a joke on TMA. Uh, jokes aside, I'm curious what your thoughts are about some local media members being clear fans of the teams that they cover. Doesn't that diminish the journalism aspect of sports coverage, a la Fox News and MSNBC in a sense? How did you navigate things like that being personal friends with Jimmy Ballgame? Did covering the Cardinals force you to dial back your fandom? I've heard that in certain places, the, quote, no cheering in the press box rules completely ignored. Any fun stories about that? In parentheses, Benjamin Hockman is the reason I'm asking this question. Seems like a great guy, but he's basically a cheerleader. Thanks. That comes from Icky Peter. I'm going to yield the floor to you gentlemen first because I'm curious on your perspective because you're coming at it from a different place um, than I am. So, uh, Gangster Pete, uh, what is your perspective on that? Uh, I mean, if they're like national announcers and they're doing a game to the whole nation, I don't want them rooting for a team. And I think for the most part, I don't ever really see that. Uh, with the local telecast, I kind of expect it a little bit. It doesn't bother me at all. It's just something I don't let bother me. I know what's happening. I don't really need someone to tell me what's happening anyway. So it doesn't bother me. Action Jackson, I mean, you really have only experienced the social media world for the most part. I mean, you'd have to be going back pretty far and you'd be like eight before you, you had Twitter as a main part of. I guess maybe like 10 uh, of, of the way things are covered. Uh, what is your perspective on it coming at it from, uh, you know, 22 years old? So I think that um, you can be a fan of the team, especially like a lot of the guys and girls in St. Louis who cover the teams are from St. Louis. I don't yeah. expect them to be like, no, now I have to be uh you know, bipartisan, but I do think that there's a fine line between being a fan and consistently making excuses, you know, saying like, oh, this one, like, if there's a bad trade, like refusing to call it a bad trade, you know, you have to look at it from a different point of view than a fan because you are covering it and you're trying to get the truth out to your readers or viewers. But I do think there, I want like the people who locally cover the team to be fans of the team. I don't want them you know, I don't imagine if you know, Plowboy covered Mizzou. Like, <laughs> I, I think that's, that's a great idea, actually. That would be awesome. <laughs> that would be the best. Jackson, you just came up with a wonderful idea. <laughs> it would be highly entertaining. Like, you know, I don't think that from a journalistic standpoint, you would get the best out of them. Because, you know, you want – you just – they should be fans and a fan of the, the team and the sport, but not necessarily, you know, constantly making excuses. And uh, there's a fine line between that. And I have a lot of buddies who are journalism guys from Mizzou who will cover Mizzou, you know, as students, but, you know, they're going to hold their feet to the fire if some, you know, Barry Odom was a big example of that right there at the end of my college career where a couple of my buddies had to write pieces where it's like, it's time to get rid of Barry Odom. You know, they couldn't just, you know, stay on the bandwagon the entire time. They had to look at it from a journalistic standpoint. I think 
and I and, and I am open to being wrong on this because I I I started doing this stuff uh, I guess like ninety seven ninety eight, um, and so I think that Twitter has changed sports coverage more than anything that I can think of, um, podcasting included. Um, not only with that's where news is reported, um, but I feel like there are people who are caught up in the very low value currency of likes. And so what I see happening is, you know, what I call begging for likes, you know, like a take that, you know, will be like, I could tweet out something right now about, I don't even know. I can pull it out of my ass. And we are recording this at 628 on uh, December 8th. And I would say by an hour from now, it could be something about like Stan Kroenke and how we're such great fans. And it would have a hundred likes if I get the right. And you can just jerk yourself off into a frenzy over that, but it means <laughs> nothing. And so if you tweet something out that isn't going to be well received, it's then going to lead to people then log off from their main accounts and then go to their burners because that's the way that it works. And we're not playing on an equal playing field. I'm tweeting as myself. You're tweeting, not you guys, but you're tweeting as your burner and you know, motherfucking me. And so, and, and who wants to be motherfucked, you know, unless that's actually your game and you're playing the heel character. And so people are careful, I think, with their opinions to construct them to be liked on Twitter, to be liked on social media. I think that's, that's a problem. Um, again, with regard, we're talking sports now. Uh, and I'm not even, I'm not even necessarily thinking local. Actually, who I've been thinking about through most of this discussion is Joe Strauss who, if anything, I feel like intentionally stirred the pot on Twitter. But from my perspective, with a columnist, he's exactly what I want. So he didn't grow up here. Um, I believe he was, I know he worked in Atlanta, and I think he was born in Atlanta. Um, I know he worked in Baltimore. Um, so he wasn't a fan of the team's but I just felt like he covered it like a journalist and then he would opine. And so he was so tough for some St. Louisans to read because those who are, it's, it's essentially like letting somebody in from MSNBC on to, you know, Hannity's show. It's like, whoa, what the fuck is this guy saying? You know, this best fan, he coined BFib. I mean, that was, yeah. you know, I mean, that was him and the balloon party and Truman up and, you know, <laughs> kept crazy when the blues are like have 40 points for the season, you know, <laughs> I mean, he, and he would just stir the pot and and I think he enjoyed doing it, like, you know, having gotten to know his daughter, Alexis, she would she would talk about we'd be at dinner on the phone and he'd just be like getting off a tweet just to like and then laugh about it because he knew it was gonna cause all hell to break loose. That was his that was his thing. But as a journalist, he was outstanding. So I recognize what this gentleman, I don't know if he used his name, or Icky Peter, asked about. My, my friendship with Edmonds, um, did not really exist, uh, from 2000 through 2005 when I was doing television. My friendship with Edmonds, and I don't know if I've ever told this story, uh, came from MySpace. Jack, <laughs> do you know what MySpace is? Tom from MySpace. <laughs> Tom from, that's all you got. <laughs> so I, I'm on MySpace in 2000, like either December 2005 or January 2006. And Edmonds has a MySpace page, which is, I mean, now I look back on it, it's absolutely perfect. I mean, it's, just, I mean, it's, what was, your, what, what was your song? <laughs> That's a great question. I don't believe, but a lot of like the inside STL, well, it wasn't Girls Next Door, it was the inside STL girls. They all had songs and they were like competing for, I don't even know what the fuck they were competing for, but I just remember <laughs> that. And Edmonds and I started talking on MySpace, which was so weird to me because we really didn't talk much when I saw him like a hundred times a year at Bush Stadium. Not that we didn't talk, but we just weren't like friends. I mean, I was media guy. And so once we did that, then he came over when he saw us doing the show from spring training at the picnic table. And then he started screwing off with us and coming on the show a bunch, as you may remember, Pete. Yep. And then we hung out when we were in Jupiter, me, producer Joe and him, and then me, producer Joe, the cat and Martin. And then it was me, producer Joe, the cat Martin, and Scott Spezio, and Spezio's new love interest. And it just became, then it just became drunken, you know, chaos. And it was some really, there's some, there some great stories behind that. Um, and that's how it began. But I do remember after the Cardinals won the World Series in 2006, they gave him a two-year extension. And he had bought in 
as an investor to Inside STL, which is really amazing to think of because uh, it was only like five months old and, you know, we had just really kind of developed a rapport. Um, and I'm like, this. Well, I remember hearing that from the outside and it like brought legitimacy to the thing right away. I yeah. was like, oh, wow. That that's right. That's exactly what I thought too, Pete. Because you were, you, were you writing for the site at that time? Uh, I don't know if it's right at the beginning. Right around that time you were. Yeah, right around that time. But I, but, but it was a weird spot when the Cardinals signed him to a two-year extension. I remember texting him to congratulate him. But then I felt obligated to go on the radio and give my honest opinion of it. And I'm like, I don't think it's a good deal for the Cardinals. I wouldn't have done it with a guy who now I have a friendship of some kind with and as a business partner. And honestly, I look back on that now and I don't know if I would do that now. I don't know. I don't know if I would. I just know that I did it then. And he didn't get pissed. Like he probably didn't even know, but he's probably still probably didn't know and wouldn't give a shit either way. But, um, that, cause that's his personality. It's a, it's a person by person thing, but I felt obligated to give my honest opinion. And it wasn't a good deal, by the way. Uh, they wound up trading him for David Freeze, which wound up being a great deal. Good deal. Um, and I probably got a couple more of those along the way, but you get in a weird spot, uh, I suppose. But I, my, my obligation, I feel like is a number one to generate a return on investment for advertisers when it really gets down to it. Cause that's, that's how I keep my, uh, my viability to the, the, the parent company. That's just reality. But, uh, secondarily, um, the audience know that whatever I'm saying is, is, is really my honest perspective. I never want to be in a spot where they're like, fuck you lied to us. If you hate me, that's fine, but at least you know where I stand. So, um, that's where I, that's where I had to be on that. So I, I, and I, and I'm not saying that I don't think that that goes on. I just think that it's, uh, that, that Twitter has maybe made people be more careful because you're going to get hated on. All right. Let's see where are, here we go. This is what we talked a little bit about on TMA today, and I'm, uh, but it came in for QFTA. Uh, basically, my question is this. It appears my wife is on the verge of allowing us to have a threesome with a chick. She's not there yet, but she's getting close. Her stipulations are that she does not know the lass and that she doesn't have to touch the other chick below the waist. She seems open to hiring a professional escort out of town. So the questions are, A, what do you or the rest of the audience think about the escort option? And B, any advice or suggested next steps to help me get this across the finish line without annoying my wife to death? Uh, and that one doesn't have a name on it, uh, so I don't read the name. Uh, Gangster Pete, you get the floor first. I'm not a big escort guy. I mean, no. I've never escorted in my life. But my advice to him would be just be cool, man. Be cool. You're almost <laughs> there. You're probably what she wants to hear. Get it done. Yeah, I would echo Pete's sentiment there. I have never used an escort service. Uh, I wouldn't begin to know where to find one in Columbia, Missouri, not to mention vet that said escort service. So I made sure that <laughs> I wouldn't need a penicillin shot the next day. And uh, like he said, pump the brakes. Just let happen. You're almost at the finish line. Don't 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 spike the ball before you get in the end zone. It, it, it kind of gives me some perspective as I read it because my read is she clearly doesn't want to do it. Yeah, I picked that up. Yeah, and so and and and, and then that kind of makes me take a look in the mirror. <laughs> <laughs> I just had a I just had a moment of enlightenment, and so and so on the on the escort thing, and this is what I talked about on the radio show today. Like once it once it clicked, and why it took until my mid thirties for it to click that hey, this stripper really doesn't like me as much as she's letting on. <laughs> <laughs> then I'm kind of like, ah, the strip bar thing, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm past it. You know, I mean, I'll go there and I'll drink and everything, but it didn't become like the, the fantasy, uh, that it was. Um, so I, it's, I mean, listen, if, if, if you, if you guys, and I'm talking to the listener and his wife, who I gather isn't a listener, but this gentleman is, if this is how you're going to do it and she's open to it, then great. But I mean, she's making stipulations that she doesn't want, no, the last, I get that move, but that she doesn't have to touch the other chick below the waist. I mean, obviously she's not into this. Yeah. So from my like standpoint, I mean, I hate, I, 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 of all, of all the people on the, the podcast to be the buzzkill from, <laughs> from my standpoint, if she's not into it, then, then I wouldn't really do it. 
if she's into it, then great. And then if she's like, yeah, and I'd prefer to just do it with somebody who I know it's, um, we're not going to know. And then let's just go out of town and get an escort. And that way I can experiment. That's a different conversation, but she's making stipulations. And then what was it? Oh, cause you see, he said, get, get this across the finish line without annoying my wife to death. I mean, that just has, <laughs> I mean, multiple implications of she is being driven up the wall and it's going to be like a reluctant, you know, yeah. Fine, I'm throwing my hands up in the air and I'll do this shit for you. Yeah, because if it, that's what I was thinking, like if it ends up working out, you probably won't get much satisfaction out of it, and then you've you've used your one card there, and now she's got a bad taste in her mouth. Yeah, I don't. I mean, that was a bad figure of speech, but you know what I'm saying. Yeah, that was well played, and I didn't even catch it. Nice. <laughs> yeah, I just I don't know, I, and I hate it because I want I, I want everybody to be able to you know enjoy. But if you're asking, I have to be honest about it. And I, I think I think I'd actually be on board. It wouldn't personally do it for me, but if there was concern, you know, on how you meet somebody, well, then you know you're, you go out of town, you hire an escort. You're not going to meet, you know, you're not going to have any, you're not going to know the person, so you're not going to have to worry about that. But that's only if she really wants to do it. Like if she's like, yeah, you know, I'm kind of, you know, like I had years ago um, a girl who she would get off and pleasure herself. To let, yeah, indeed, to, to lesbian porn. And that, that kind of lets you know that obviously it's something that she's kind of into, which is great. God bless America. But, <laughs> you know, I mean, if she, if you're like making negotiations and stipulations, you're calling it not annoying her and getting across the finish line. God, I hate to do this. Again, sex positive podcast with no kink shaming, but it doesn't sound like she's necessarily on board. And then what, what could wind up happening and I've been down this road before, uh, is like in the middle of, um, what was an M F F F, uh, where even though it sounds great, it was about three quarters of the way through. I was basically just sitting there as a spectator because nobody was interested in me, which is fine. Don't get me wrong, but it really was, it was a moment of self-realization that these three women were into each other and I'm just down at the end of the bed and it was fine, but it, it was, uh, that that my significant other at the time, you know, kind of goes, I don't know if I want to keep doing this. And I'm like, okay, then, 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 you know, so you have that. And and, and it's, it's like, like I've said before, the varsity blues thing, when you're leaving a strip bar and the, and the, and you, and you walk out and it's bright, it is the, you go from a high to a crash instantaneously. This one wasn't as dramatic. It just was one that, that I remember in the moment going, okay, I gotta, I gotta, you know, bail her out here. So she's like, you know, I mean, that, you get, you get a hot dog in the desert crash. That's, that, that, that's what it was. That's what it was. Especially at that place right across from the, uh, <laughs> the uh, stag bar. That was the, that was the go-to. Um, all right. I'll go, I'll go with one more. Hey, Tim, last week you were talking about podcast downloads and I was a little bit curious what content creators like yourself are able to see. This is a good one for all you guys because you see the back end and the data. Um, let's see, obviously I'm not asking for specifics, but what sort of information does Apple or Spotify give you to monitor your podcast? I wasn't sure if things were broken out by subscribers, downloads, listens, or if you could even see where people quit listening or where they fast forward. I noticed a few Spotify podcasts that will essentially take you off of the podcast you're listening to to play an ad almost as a new track for each advertisement. Joe Rogan recently made his move to be exclusively on Spotify. And I noticed that his ads are now individually placed before his show starts. So you have to fast forward through each one. Thanks for your time. Happy for Gangster Pete. Jackson is doing great. Thanks. That comes from Austin. You guys may actually know the answer to this better than I do. I go into Libsyn and I look at the downloads and I see where numbers are. Libsyn, I talk about like everybody knows what I'm talking about. Uh, it's the service that we use to upload both the TMA podcast and the Tim McKernan show podcast. Um, and so I'm able to see that. And it is interesting just to see if, you know, month over month, year over year trends. Um, that's what I pay attention to. Um, what, what about you? I mean, Jackson, I know you're just, you know, you're just getting introduced to it. Pete, what about you? How would you answer the, the question? I actually, I wish that I could get more of that information. I don't know if you can get like a higher version of Lipson where they break it down more for you, but it's mostly yeah. like per episode and then like your monthly downloads. So like, I know what our numbers are like per show and for the month and the year and things like that, but I don't know how long people are listening or anything like that. I'd be really interested to have that stuff. See, so I think all we get right now is downloads, which, you know, when I started in, me and Matt Seebeck, it wasn't me by myself, 
uh, started inside STL in 2005, the black magic metric then was hits. Right. Uh, and then it became unique visitors. That's what the term was at the time. And then it became page views. Uh, hence the name young page views because I don't know it was what baby page views or something like that. Um, so that was the game, but we knew on the inside and everybody else who had a website because it wasn't apps then that hits was a inflated black magic number. And so what I would tell you about downloads is this. I mean, shit, man, I've opened up my phone, all the, the podcasts I subscribe to, but then I don't wind up listening to they're downloaded. You know, so they count as a download, but it doesn't mean I heard it. I would imagine, you know, I, I, don't, I mean, I bet everything that, you know, a Spotify, something of that magnitude has that information. But I was just actually on the phone yesterday with a gentleman who contacted me and wants to advertise on, on the Tim McKernan show. And I said, okay, are you interested in the morning after? He goes, no, I want to just be on the podcast. I go, okay. I mean, this is, he goes, we're, we, we're, we're focusing on digital. He was a buyer. We're focusing on digital. I don't even want to confuse him with radio, just digital. And so I was in, you know, Libsyn and looking at the stats and seeing where everything was. And, uh, and, 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 you know, it's pretty consistent. Uh, nothing really stands out. Um, but, but, it, but it's all based on downloads. So that's what we can see. I would imagine a Spotify not only, it gives you something as easy as downloads, but probably also what you were just talking about, Pete, where like you see when people like tune out. Right. Know? And that would be very interesting. Streaming wise, we can do that. Streaming. Uh, did you ever get streaming stats when you were KFNS? No. I would get them and they were, uh, this, this goes back to 2008 when we went to 1380. Um, and they were freaking out because the streaming numbers skyrocketed at 7 a.m. <laughs> yeah. We had just we had just gotten there, and then it dropped off at 10, and and it was great to have. We knew that we had something, but it was great that management then could hold on to something. I mean, when it gets down to it, you could have a small audience, and if you're delivering a return on investment for your advertisers, that's all that matters. That's what we are hired for. That's why you own a business, and then you know, churn out content to deliver or to, that's it. I mean, people would say, oh, you don't get this or you don't do this or how come you don't go to the ballpark? Or that? Well, that's fine. But I'm telling you what matters is creating content that people want to watch or listen to and then selling it and delivering a return on an investment for the advertisers. That's what matters. Yeah. TMA mobilizes the audience and that's the name of the game. And that's it. I mean, and that's it. And so I like, I like, even though it's not necessarily my thing, I don't follow Portnoy on on Twitter and it's not like some rejection of them. It's just not something that I do. I guess I could. I mean, I kind of, it's cause I kind of like, in a way I draw a parallel with Clay Travis cause I think it's kind of like a, a Vince McMahon thing. And it's yeah. just like, that's ah, not really my thing. I get it. And it's, I, I get it. And I'm glad that it works. God bless. But I don't think that, you know, if you really, you know, were to get these guys alone, that they're really doing things that they really, really think, um, uh, it just is good for the business. So, um, but I like that he has taken a lot of things that um, usually were behind the scenes and brought them into the light. So now we can talk about them because before it would be awkward if I go, well, TMA is responsible for X percent of the revenue of the entire radio station, even though we're only on for one eighth of the hours of the day. You know, well, of course you're saying that because it's your show. I'm like, I can hold it up for you, but then it's going to be awkward because then it's like, oh, well, now I'm taking, you know, you know, shots at other shows, which isn't the intent, but it could be taken that way because I was on the show. Um, whereas if you're like, you know, John Kiowski at 101, he doesn't host a show. John Kiowski is a market manager for Harvard. He doesn't host a show. And so he's in a different spot. He just has the data. The data is incredibly helpful. At the same time, you don't need to have data to know the TMA and this podcast deliver for a return. Otherwise we wouldn't have a bunch of live reads and a bunch of sponsors and the same ones, by the way, you know, Frank opinion had the same ones year in and year out. Uh, the, the retention is a great metric that isn't in the back end of Libsyn. That's just something you can hear with your own ears. If it isn't working for a client, they don't keep spending money hoping that all of a sudden three years in, it's going to, it's going to all of a sudden deliver return. James Carlton to me, um, is a perfect example. And I, said before that the one thing that I didn't feel like TMA or my pod, well, my podcast hadn't even started at the time was able to deliver on was an insurance agent for whatever reason. And we'd had a number try good, good guys too. 
And so I told James that at the outset. I said, listen, we've had a number of people, insurance agents, advertise on the show, and it just hasn't worked. And after a couple months, they go. And the thing I can tell you is if you stick with it, I think you'll get a payoff. And then you can kind of become the Ryan Kelly of of the of the insurance uh, industry. But I realize that can sound kind of salesy. Oh, spend more money, and then you'll get your return. But you got to commit longer. I mean, I, I get that that would be suspicious, but it wound up being the truth. And he, I mean, he will send me thank you cards, notes, gift certificates, and you're spending money. I mean, you've already thanked me enough. I, I've kept up my end of the bargain. You've kept up your end of the bargain for the return he's gotten from our audience. And that's, that's, that's the name of the game. I also am aware, even though it's tough to think of in the moment, that there will come a time where we don't deliver. You know, it inevitably happens. I mean, I, guess, I assume it's going to happen. You know, I mean, it has to happen at some point. But right now we have it, and it's a great thing to have, and we don't take it for granted. The loyalty of the sponsors and the loyalty of the audience, that's what matters. But I agree with you taking taking that out of it, even though that really is the most important thing. I would be fascinated to see, you know, like there's I have we have one advertiser on, on TMA that wanted to be in specific hours. And in my mind, what do you think is the, the most the most listened to hour, Pete? One. Yeah, same here. I mean, it, it, to me, it's like without question. Yeah. Um, you know, the numbers but I mean, if bear it out too. What's that? The numbers bear it out too. Yeah, and that's the thing. You would look at, but I mean, I, sometimes I wonder if that's a, if we can explain that away, like people don't have a chance to listen to all three hours. So they're going to start with the first one and then they don't download and listen to the second one. I, you know, I don't know. I definitely think it's part of it. Yeah. So, usually, usually so, hour one is longer too. Yeah. We, yeah. We, we went to 820 to, Day. Yeah, it's usually long. So, yeah, you're so right on that. Uh, and obviously, it's, we're going to lead with the, the fresh stuff and whatever everybody's talking about. I love it. I, I hope that there's more of it as far as data. I can't get enough of it. Um, and, and one of the, the guy that I was talking to yesterday, he's like, yeah, and can you break down? Because he goes, we know you have a lot of listeners in Chicago. But I'm like, yeah, we should do like a survey. But then it would just be the fan page. And I know if you're on the fan page, you think that the fan – and I'm not saying this to mock the fan page at all. I'm, 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 I mean, how can you not be grateful to have access to 7,000 of your listeners instantaneously? Uh, but the fan page is not the show. The fan page is a portion of the show. But if you're on the fan page, I think you think that the fan page – not that you automatically do. You think that the fan page is representative of the audience when there are a number of people who are not on the fan page or not on Facebook, period, or who like the show and listen to it but aren't going to join a page, or who are like, oh, my God, I'm getting a notification every 10 seconds. Fuck this. I'm going to unsubscribe, not realizing that you can turn off the notifications. So um, that factors into it as well. Cool- but I would love that. and. Go ahead, Pete. One of the coolest things that I ever saw is the Shopify software. It has the map of the U.S. Yeah, yeah, yeah. up when people go online. So anytime you bring up the shop, you'd see lights going up all over the United States. So I, it was just amazing how we had people from coast to coast. Yeah. I mean, and honestly, when I hear that, like, I love it. Uh, I just like, I, I want to do more with it. That's my immediate, yeah. uh, that's my immediate, like, cause, cause again, cause my thought is I already have the uh, mortality awareness, so to speak of the, of, of my career, I guess, you know, I already feel like to have this long of a life I'm grateful for, uh, in this business as it is, I guess, 22 years and 20 of them in my hometown, um, that it will come to an end, but it would be incredibly interesting to see you know, what it is that people really, really do go out of their way to make sure that they listen to. And if there are things where you can live see the audience, like, tune out, um, you know, because, I mean, inevitably, and, and that's why after you do it for so long, it's like, man, why did you guys talk about that? Like, for example, Pete, uh, yesterday, we, I mean, the first hour and 10 minutes, I mean, shit, cause Gabe came on, probably first 90 minutes was just like a Mizzou segment because there was so much going on. We really did have a lead and we really went into it. And then Bernie Miklas came on and we talked a little Mizzou with him too, but obviously other stuff. And there were people texting and this is the greatest segment. Thank you so much for doing this. And all while there were still people saying, this is the worst. What in the fuck? <laughs> like, um, you know, one-on-one, you're talking about recruiting with Gabe DeArmond. Are you kidding me? It just depends on what it is that you're into. And right. if you're new to it and you're not used to it, you can get caught up in it, which is kind of what I'm talking about with Twitter and, and sports coverage. And go, oh shit! I got to make sure I cater to this bubble. When in reality, you've just done it for a while, and you know that people. Some people are going to like it. Some people are going to hate it. But we're going to trust our judgment on on what people are interested in. 
Well, you I know, personally saw the first two segments you know, like, and I tuned in. And you were in, absolutely. Yeah. And I'm sure there were some people uh probably didn't, but with with specific to, you know, if Missouri would have an exciting win and they would have wound up playing Central Arkansas this year as the first game, I assure you I would not have spent – I don't even know. Yeah. I, I would have been like, man, this is a mess. You know, but it was different, and it kept momentum going, and it was exciting. It was thrilling. It was uh, big picture, a great weekend for the program and the basketball program. So we spent some time on it. But then, you know, some people are like, oh, man, why do you guys got to talk about, you know, Iggy and the hedonism stories? And so, I mean, I love that too, you know. But if you're not yeah. into it, then that's fine. But that's – the show is a, a smorgasbord of randomness, and we're not just going to go, oh, we haven't talked yet about Illinois, so let's make sure we get that in there. We're just going to talk about what we're interested in. That, to me, is the secret sauce. Yeah, just, I agree. If somebody were at, you agree with that? Yeah, we're, definitely. We're just never going to just go, oh, we haven't talked about this, and everybody's talking about it, so we got to talk. Like today, like Adam Wainwright winning the Roberto Clemente. If we would have gotten into it, I'm sure it would have been a good discussion, but we just never got into it because I think incredibly highly of uh, of, of him, have ever since I met him in 2004, um, but we just never got into it. But we talked about whatever it is that we talked about, but we would have been remiss if we didn't talk about Missouri. Uh, following the weekend that the, the program had. It, but if you're not a Missouri fan, you're just like, what in the world? You know, I'm used to these yeah. guys doing this. I mean, it's one thing on Monday after the weekend you talked about it. It would have been weird if you kept trying to force Missouri all day today. But that's yeah, not I, exactly doing, right. right. And that's the thing. And I guess that's the intuition that I guess maybe is like a sixth sense. But to me, it just strikes me as obvious. Like what, mm-hmm. what do the people want to talk about? What's the hot topic? And I'm grateful, you know, I was just on Bernie Miklas' show, you know, right before we jumped on here to do the podcast. And I was curious, and I asked him this, because I, I said it on when we were doing our show during the pandemic. And he goes, what's it, what was it, what's it been like to, to do the show during the, this is my Bernie Miklas impression, <laughs> yeah. automatically. Uh, to, to do the show during the, 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 you know, this year. And I said, honestly, Bernie, it has been my least favorite year of doing the show. Um, because, you know, of, of what, I mean, Pete, you saw the text inbox. Oh, yeah. Got a little bit of it going uh, today, Jackson. I don't know if you saw it. Like there's. Oh, I saw it. <laughs> okay, yeah. Like we still have like I I don't even know if what you would call them COVID deniers. I don't I don't know. It was like a, a general mix of people like, what the fuck are you guys talking about with this? And also, can Doug taste me? Like that was like the, <laughs> yes, because the, Doug. The, the, that was like the two. Positive. But for the, but in comparison to what it was in April, which was oh. as toxic as it's ever been. Uh, it's it's nothing. It's just there's a few still, like, I guess, holding on. And, you know, I mean, I, I don't know what they think. Like, I, I really I wonder what the thought process is. Like, what do you how you explain India and Brazil going right now? You know, you still think this is just a Trump thing, you know, to get him out of office? I don't know. But yeah. uh, but at, at this point now, there's 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 like one or two of the voices in the wilderness. But when we started talking about it in March, it was brutal. So it became so tough, as I later said in my conversation with Bernie. Because what we talked about on the podcast, Pete, I wanted to talk about the election and I wanted to talk about the pandemic, but to do it on the radio, it it was brutal. It was it was brutal. So I just, I saved it for questions for the audience, and, uh, and that kind of became the place that we could have good conversations about it. And I really in, enjoyed. I always enjoyed QFT anyway, but that became the place to do it. So um, yeah, I'd be curious on uh, you know seeing like if you could see it live, like people tuning in or tuning out. But right now, the metric that we use certainly um, is downloads because it, it does change. But for the most part, people just subscribe and you see it. Uh, hey, uh, before we sign off for uh, this uh, Zoom edition of QFTA, which is the way that it will be, um, at least for a while now, uh, I want to make sure that I thank Jim Rogers of Restoration One. I'm sitting in the basement that he saved low uh, so many months ago. Jim Rogers of Restoration One, water damage. Assessment and dry out of your home, moisture assessment using thermal imaging, sewer backup cleanup, mold remediation, fire and smoke damage, cigarette and pet odor elimination, storm damage, board up and tarping the roofs. They do it all. 314-888-5266 or go online at restoration1ofcentralstlouis.com. And here is something that is very important for this particular moment in history. They do COVID disinfecting of businesses, schools, and organizations of all sizes. They've disinfected hundreds of popular businesses, both locally and throughout Missouri and Illinois. It's Restoration One of Central St. Louis online at Restoration One, the number one of centralstlouis.com, 314-888-5266. And finally, the great Seth Goldcamp 
in my basement, he installed a humidifier, did the same thing for Doug Vaughn last year, and it really does make a difference. You can feel the difference. If it's something that you are interested in getting for your home, go to designairservice.com. Also, veterans, nurses, doctors, law enforcement, firefighters, a free furnace tune-up to make sure your heating system is operating safely this winter. It's no strings attached, no other purchase necessary. Design Air just wants to thank all these frontline workers for their extraordinary efforts in 2020. To schedule your free tune-up or get more information about the rebate, please visit designairservice.com. Seth Goldcamp and his incredible staff. All right, there it is, Jackson. I know you sat in for questions from the audience last uh, week, but uh, you were an active participant this week. How did how'd this baptism treat you, sir? Love it. I like uh, being able to opine and talk more in depth, whereas on the radio show, you got to kind of tighten it up a little bit, get your points across. But, I mean, the radio show, you can still get what you want off your chest, but this allows you to be more free, you can curse, you can discuss topics that we don't discuss on TMA. So I do really like it. I think uh, I love the listeners sending in thought-provoking topics. Yeah, the, the listeners really do do a great job with what they send in. And I didn't even get to, hell, I don't think I got a half of them from this week and obviously have some from last week. And Gangster Pete, Upload the podcast, I am so Bruce. glad that you are a <laughs> – Gangster Pete is telling you can upload the damn pod. How bad of a beat was it for Jackson that the first podcast he uploaded was one second? Yeah. Oh my god. I don't even gosh. think it's really his fault either. I don't know how you could just get You're still falling on the sword. How admirable. I don't know. I don't know. It was, it, it was, was really, weird. really weird. And it honestly made for an extremely stressful weekend because I was just imagining Monday morning, me coming on, posting that podcast and it being one second again. And like, <laughs> oh god. I would just have to walk and turning to Iggy and saying, Hey, you got any ideas? <laughs> <laughs> Begging Rocky to come off the board or something. Yeah. So, yeah. But uh, day. luckily it all has worked out well and, uh, I'm adjusting pretty, uh, well. Got my routine down when I get there in the morning. So it's all going, uh, well, I'm developing a routine, which is important. Yeah, man. It was two weeks ago you emailed me about the job, I think. I know. It's fucking nuts. And here you are. <laughs> now you've got like up like seven days of work experience there. <laughs> Yeah. So that's absurd. But look at you, tip of the cap. You got there first, so God bless. Uh, boys, I've enjoyed it. Peloton, let's go. This holiday, with the right music and the right motivation from world-class instructors. We're going to pick it up a notch. It's the holiday season. You might just surprise yourself with what you're capable of. Work out to thousands of live and on-demand classes, from running to cycling to yoga. Try Peloton risk-free with a 30-day home trial. New members only, not available in remote locations. See additional terms at onepeloton.com slash home dash trial. Peloton, motivation that moves you.